podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin, coming to you live from my childhood closet. Yeah, that's right. So if my audio sounds a little weird this week, I apologize. I'm not at my own normal, humble abode. I'm currently sitting in the closet, my childhood bedroom. Uh, joining me, not in the closet, but at least here on the podcast, Jamie Steyer. Sorry, JSJ, Jamie Steyer Johnson. <laughs> Yes, yes. Hey, you'll you'll get used to it eventually. We'll all get used to it eventually. But yes, I am here after um, a, a little chunk of my fantasy draft that I have been getting roasted for as it is an eight team little family league. But um, yeah, I'm here. I'm man, I'm excited. Football is back. Like, I swear I've been bad because I've never been like the biggest football fan. Everybody knows that's also primary sport, but not having like real, like fun, like fan involved football last year, this year. Oh, I'm just like soaking it all in. I love it. Good to have you, Jamie. And no, I will never get past calling you Jamie Steyer and Andy Mitz. Hey, Hey, it's uh, great to be here. So yeah, After sorry. Jamie's like my voice. Wonderful is intro. Like- I thought you were just going to go, Hey, no, well, Andy's on a word count. You know how pitches get put on pitch counts. Oh Andy's on a word count. No, okay, tonight. okay. Look, look. I was yelling so loud at the KU game on Friday that my voice still has not recovered. So, did you rush the field? No, I did not rush the field. I did that when I was a student. That's a student thing. Well, that's fair. I don't have a problem with it. I don't care. Like, me neither. Let them have their fun. What does I it, can't what does it like, matter? I can't muster the energy to care about in general what other people do but especially like people doing things out of joy i'm like please be happy by all means yeah look i i said this on twitter <laughs> and i said it on my podcast that i recorded earlier today from when we we're recording this and like you can't make fun of kansas for being a nothing like the worst garbage program in the history of all of power five sports 
and then get mad at them when they want to celebrate a win against an FCS team that honestly, it wasn't a guarantee that they were going to win. Yeah. You can say, you know, like the, the betting line said that they should have won. And, and to be honest, they, they should have won that game, but it was no guarantee going into that with all that Lightbolt had to deal with coming into the year. So like to get mad at the students, especially the students that have dealt with Kansas football, like the last time that Kansas football was good, that they could celebrate a win like this. Like, I think all these guys were in elementary school. All of these students were in elementary school. So it's like, they haven't been there before. Let them have their fun. I remember when I got to rush the field when I was a student after a huge win, you know, to break a streak of losses to K-State. Like, that was that was fantastic. It was so much fun to do that. I don't begrudge students the opportunity to do that if that's what they want to do. Like, let them have fun. Let them celebrate it because, let's be honest, they're probably not going to get another opportunity to do it, especially those seniors aren't going to probably have another chance to do it this year. So... Oh, that end got kind of sad. Well, but, it's, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm being realistic, especially after the way that Kansas played. Like, maybe they can, you know, assuming everything goes absolutely right, maybe they can sneak one in the in the season finale against West Virginia, but I'm not counting on it. Hey, you know, Duke lost to Charlotte, so that one's not entirely Yeah, but that one's not going to be at home. So the fans can't rush ah. the field, so... Look, here's a, here's a rule we're going to put in place for this particular episode, and it's something I want to apply moving forward generally, but, like... You can't have it both ways, folks. You can't do. You can't have it both ways. You can't sit there and continually point out that Kansas hasn't won a game in over six hundred days, and then get try and trash it. Look, not everybody was. There were some people who actually who were like, "Good for them." Like what? Who? Like whatever. They don't have football things to celebrate. And for those making jokes about, it, I'm like, it's it's an easy lazy target, and they're like, it's embarrassing. Who for who? They're happy. Why are you embarrassed? Like no, stop. Whatever. Okay, I'm happy that Kansas won. I'm also happy that Kansas State won, and we will, of course, talk about Kansas State as well, because both of those teams winning mean uh, my two stocks that I have on Symbol, because I have a share of Kansas and a share of Kansas State, both paid off for me this week. Yes, Symbol, the stock market for sports, which is a sponsor here on the 1012 podcast. We love these guys. Allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win, like I got to win with Kansas and Kansas State this weekend. Uh, Simple has blended sports in the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams, or just the fact that you enjoy college sports, or college football in particular, and know a lot about it and have an opportunity to make money off of that knowledge in a way that actually makes people happy uh, that you have to talk about it all the stinking time. Uh, use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Of course, uh, here, we're very excited on the 1012 podcast and the 1012 network as a whole because Symbol is offering a very unique giveaway for our network listeners and this podcast in particular. Symbol will hold a drawing to give away two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choice. Okay? Two tickets to a game, your choice. All you have to do is sign up for Symbol, make a $25 deposit using the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T. W-O-R-K-1-2. You entered for a chance to win two free tickets to your favorite team this season. So go to symbol.app, A-P-P, or symbol.com to create a free account and deposit $25 and use the promo code NETWORK12. There's also a link in the show notes that you can click and get in there as well. Um, I want to do one, one other thing is Symbol. Love these guys. Love having it. We're doing so much with them. Uh, of course, our pick three is underway. Our three picks for last week were Kansas State, Stanford, Texas, Louisiana, and Houston, Texas Tech. Um, for everybody who, whatever you made your picks in our pick'em, uh, I'll get those uh, those updated this weekend. Um, you can still join. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything to join our pick three. Um, again, show notes. Go down. Find it. 
click sign up for free join our pick three we'll be giving out weekly prizes to those who have successful week uh, one weekly prize winner like i'm not i'm not made of money here folks like i know we have advertisers but like let's not act like i'm hitting twenty thousand downloads a, a week folks like i love all of you and i want to make sure you understand that i love every single person who downloads and listens to the show you're a you're a gem a peach um, whatever other fun, cute ways I can call it to say the fact that I love you without saying I love you because it's a weird thing to say to people who listen to a podcast. Now I'm rambling and ranting and rolling. Symbol.app, promo code NETWORK12, deposit $25, and be entered in for chance to win two free tickets to a Big 12 game of your choosing. By the way, we're not... So we've talked, yeah. We're not hitting 20,000 downloads yet. Come on, yet. dream big. Hey, we'll get there. We'll get there one day. I, I always dream big. Your home for everything Kansas Jayhawks is the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Metz, and every week we run through the most important stories for all your favorite Kansas programs, whether it's football, soccer, or tennis, volleyball or basketball, baseball and softball, or any other Jayhawk competition, we have it. We have game previews and recaps, interviews with coaches and others close to the team, and analysis from those who pay close attention to all of these programs. You can find us by searching for Rock Chalk Podcast on your favorite platform, so start listening today. All right. We talked about Kansas. I think that's all we need to say about Kansas and the fact that one, congrats to Kansas. Um, here's what I want to do, the way I want to break the show, because I mean, every team was in action. We had 10 games. The conference went nine and one. Not the most impressive nine and one, but hey, no one dropped a game to an FCS team, Washington. Uh, no one dropped a game to Charlotte, Duke. Uh, no one dropped a game that I don't remember who they lost to. It doesn't really matter. Georgia Tech. Um, there's lots of teams across the country who lost some really disappointing games and uh, made their conferences look kind of silly lsu um big 12 nine and one let's get the loss out of the way quick i just want to get that one away let's talk about the positive things for the conference west virginia uh losing a game to maryland that i said off season the defense is going to take a step back they lost too much for it not to and i didn't believe that they had done enough offensively to upgrade to make me think that they were going to take a step forward this year well the defense took a step back and the offense took a step, I don't know, maybe sideways, uh, maybe just in the wrong direction. Maybe it went backwards. Daggy's still okay. Letty Brown is all they have. They have receivers who still can't catch a pass. And then they had four turnovers in the game. <sighs> Maryland's not great, folks. They're not. They're going to keep getting better, I think, but they're not great. And look, I've had some West Virginia fans who obviously are really upset. Um, Raspy Voice recorded a, an immediate reaction pod, and it's fantastic. Oh, yeah, it's, for sure. If you're a West Virginia fan, Raspy Voice kids, very therapeutic. Um, I really enjoyed it. They do a great job. I just, like, I'm not out on Neil Brown, and I've had some West Virginia fans be like, I don't know if I can anymore. And I'm like, stop. But his his desire to stick with Daggy all the time either says they can't find another quarterback or he's just one of those guys who's overly attached to guys who've been around for a while and experience, and it's not doing them any favors. The problem is, I don't know that West Virginia has another quarterback to go to. I mean, I think Daggy's the best quarterback on the roster right now. And it's one of those things where, unfortunately, you're going to have to deal with the lumps that he has. I, I personally thought that he was ready to take that step forward, but obviously it's a little premature for that. I still think he can get there. But he's got a lot further to go than I had originally or originally anticipated. You know, I obviously I was wrong about West Virginia being the most underrated team in the Big 12 last week. Um, you know, it's one of those things, though, where I still think that West Virginia has a really good core of a team. But, you know, the, the, the two most important positions for 
for a successful team are obviously the offensive line to make sure that everything can actually happen. And then the quarterback, if, if, if either of those two positions are not good, you're going to have a lot of problems trying to sustain any kind of success. And that's what we saw. The Degia has a lot of warts. He still has to work out. They've got to figure something out. Um, you know, there was definitely some some coaching and game planning issues to not do what they can to avoid putting Daigie into situations where he's not going to be successful. But I, I mean, I don't know where they go from here. It's one of those things they are still talented enough to get a decent number of wins in the Big 12. But, you know, any any thoughts that people had of them potentially getting third or fourth in the Big 12 at this point, you've, you've got to put all that on hold until they can figure out what to do with Daigie and, and how to actually make him be successful. Well, Andy, it's exactly what you said. Like, it's honestly more frustrating because there's so many good pieces in there. Like, you can objectively look at the team. You can objectively look at some things that happen to be like, well, that was good. You know, that should be good. And it just comes down to, you know, football is a game where certain physicians just have a disproportionate effect. Like, you're never going to be successful at a high level if you don't have a quarterback who can handle it. And I mean, I think that there was a lot of people who were saying there's no way he can handle it. There was plenty of people who were saying like you, that it was, it was time for him to take a step forward, that there was that opportunity because he's shown flashes of, of something, you know, it's not like he's come in and, and never had a good game in his entire career. It's just that sometimes they're just not going to be able to perform on that higher level. And I mean, over the course of a season, things can change a lot. Um, I mean, I'm never going to be one to count anyone out after the first game of the season, maybe because I'm an Iowa State fan. And um, if I counted people out after the first game of the season, I would be much more depressed um, than I have been in a lot of those seasons anyway. But either way, it's just one of those situations where if you don't have that backup that's like you know oh this freshman that's really highly touted but just maybe not ready but oh we'll just throw him in there and see what happens like when you're not in that situation and this is really the only good option you feel like you have and it's not looking like a great option right now it's just frustrating and so we'll see what happens in the next week two weeks but yeah I mean I can totally understand being a West Virginia fan right now and just feeling frustrated I will say also that that raspy voice kids episode, man, that that like hit me right here. I have hit that note so many different mm-hmm. times being a Kansas fan. Uh, you know, I tweeted out especially, a, you know, a line that just hit me really well from that one. And so like, I, I highly recommend even if you're not a West Virginia fan, if, if you just like the Big 12 in general, that is a episode to go listen to, because I can guarantee you that unless you're like Oklahoma, you've probably been there as a fan at some point. Um, and so you will, you will definitely empathize with, with West Virginia in general. And of course, specifically those fans that, you know, really have lived and died with that particular team for so long. Yeah. Look, they do a great job and, and we're going to have to get them on to talk West Virginia again soon. They, they really do. Brandon and Jeremy are just freaking awesome. So whether you like West Virginia or not, I just, it is a West Virginia show, but it, it it's so much more as well. So like, go check out Raspberry Voice Kids. I can't, I can't say that enough. Um. Let's let's stop talking about teams that were not able to win their game on Saturday and talk about the ones that did. There's quite a few. Um, I ran a poll on Twitter asking who had the most impressive win on Saturday in the Big 12. Uh, there's three wins in particular where I thought the teams were impressive. Uh, that would be a combination of, of Texas over Louisiana, uh, Texas Tech over Houston, 
and Kansas State over Stanford. Uh, had 155 votes. It only ran for a couple of like eight hours. Uh, Kansas State over Stanford, the overwhelming favorite here, 62.6% of the vote. Uh, Texas in second with 22.6 and Texas Tech with 14.8. So let's let's talk Kansas State for a minute. And here's here's what I want to say. Um, I was impressed by Kansas State's performance. And they are the team that I feel is the kind of the black not black sheep, the black the, the black I, oh my god, I cannot talk today. It's been a long weekend. They're the underrated team that has a real shot at, at rising up in the Big Twelve. The Dark Horse, Dark Horse? and thank you. I don't know why the black. You were you like were thinking you were right there. Thinking black sheep. Conceptually, but... uh, dark and then animal. Exactly. <laughs> it's a good thing I don't solo the show anymore. Um, like, and, and I think they 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 looked good on Saturday against Stanford. But I, my problem is, I thought Kansas State should win this game. Stanford could do nothing, and I want to give credit to Kansas State for it, but I have a problem of I'm not actually sure how good Stanford was, so I'm not sure how much credit to give Kansas State. They weren't perfect. They they had some moments where kind of like, all right, uh, Stanford is not the Stanford of old. Like I think Stanford's still kind of wearing around their reputation from when they had amazing offensive defensive lines. They had to have two different quarterbacks play out there. Like Stanford wasn't good, and Kansas State deserves credit for making them look bad. But I'm not sure how much credit goes to Kansas State and how much blame goes to Stanford for this game. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things. Like this is exactly what I was afraid of with Kansas State. Like the defense was absolutely fantastic. But again, how much of that was Stanford being really bad? Because honestly, a lot of people didn't expect Stanford to be any good at all this year. And, and I think that those thoughts are justified. Whether, you know, like no matter how good you think Kansas State's going to be this year, Stanford's not going to be a good team. And, and and I think that was pretty apparent. The defense was good. I expected the defense to be good, though. Where, the, where I had questions and where, you know, I'm not necessarily as sold on Kansas State overall as a team is, I'm not sure about that offense. And, and, and Skylar Thompson didn't really do anything in this game to make me think otherwise from what I thought coming into the in, in the game. You know, I mean, he his his box score was not that great. You know, nine of 14 for 144 yards and an interception. He didn't throw any touchdowns. And yes, I mean, they were gashing people with Deuce Vaughn on the ground. But that's like the one weapon that we knew that they had. And that was really the only weapon that was able to get going consistently in that game. And so I'm still left with the exact same questions about Kansas State moving forward is, can that offense show me enough in terms of multifacetedness to be able to do something other than hand the ball off to Deuce Vaughn or try to throw the ball to Deuce Vaughn in the flat and go from there? So, like, I, I mean, I still think that Kansas State's going to be a good team, but I didn't get any more information from this game about what Kansas State's going to be able to do in the Big 12. One, because of the level of the opponent, and two, because the offense didn't do anything to wow me. Like, they, they did what they had to do to win the game. We knew the parts that were going to be good. Those showed out pretty well, but we didn't see any kind of spark, I think, from the passing game, which has always been the big question with Kansas State. Yeah, I mean, week one is always kind of an enigma in that we just don't have any context to what's happening. You know, you can say, okay, this team, we can compare them to who they were last year. We can see what they have coming back and we can make some kind of an educated guess on where they're going to be. And that can usually tell us quite a bit. But in a situation like this where you say, you know, Stanford's really not looking great and their situation maybe isn't looking amazing. And so we're not feeling like Stanford's going to be great this year, but you just don't have the proof to back that up quite yet you know maybe they're gonna go on a tip something like that but it's it's not that relevant but either way it's just really hard to contextualize 
the performance that K-State put on. And so like with many other games, you know, you just kind of say, once we can look back on it with the perspective of having game two, maybe game three in play, we can say, all right, you know, they improved on this or, oh yeah, this is a theme where they're struggling with their offense, with their passing, things like that. It's just really hard to say for sure what that means after one week, especially in a game like this. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to play the, like, uh, this is a perfect transition to Texas because it's not like we were giving t- Kansas State a ton of credit for, for this game against Stanford or saying that Kansas State couldn't win this game for it was going to be a really tough game. Like, I thought it might be closer than that, but it wasn't. And I want to give Kansas State full credit for that win. But I didn't come away from it feeling like, I guess I'm just, I'm the same place. Like, there's still a dark horse. Dark horse, there it is. Um, There's still a dark horse team to finish in the top, maybe maybe four in the conference. And I just, I don't have enough to still feel comfortable saying anything more than I already did about them, despite what looks on the score to be a pretty dominant victory. Um, So I want to move that to Texas because, you know, I I mentioned you can't, you can't have it both ways, right? Now, look, I hate the saying, can't have your cake and eat it too, because I get the saying, but it's a really dumb saying. Um, All off season, you kept seeing this popular upset pick of Texas. We said on the show, who's the overrated team? It was Texas. Texas could lose to Louisiana. Texas, yada, 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 yada. And then Texas comes out and plays incredibly well against Louisiana and wins that game handily. And it was close at the early early parts. And that and it's the first game of the season. You're going to have some close games early in the first quarter, second quarter. That's fine. All of that is okay. But Texas just continued to play exceptionally well and got better and better as that game went on. And it's not because Louisiana played poorly or Louisiana was a bad team or poorly coached or, or like Louisiana played well and Texas was just better than them. And that's not something we've been able to say about Texas when they face teams like Louisiana in the past. If you're going to dog Texas in the preseason and saying they're going to lose or they're going to get upset or it's going to be all that, which, which we have, you have to give them the full credit here for going out and doing something. I don't think people really thought they were going to do against Louisiana because I was, if, if we're going to go with the team I was most impressed by, it was actually Texas because of the expectations we had for them in this game and this season. I was impressed by the job Texas did against Louisiana on Saturday. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That's the game that I thought was going to be the closest out of all of them. Like, I, I thought that Louisiana had an opportunity to upset them. I did think that Texas was going to win, but I thought it was going to be a really close game come coming down to the end. And honestly, after, like, after after halftime, that game wasn't really in doubt. Like, you could tell going into halftime that Texas had firm control of it. Louisiana was going to have to do something spectacular to get an opportunity to come back into it. And, I like, I don't know how good this Louisiana team actually is. I, I know they have an opportunity to be good this year, but don't really know because of some of the turnover that they have and, you know, but, but it is one of those things where that was a super impressive win by Texas, even though it was at home. Like, you know, we always talk about how Texas the last few years has really been not very impressive at all in the beginning of the season. And they came out with fire today or this, this week. And so, I mean, I'm definitely willing to entertain the fact that I'm I'm wrong on Texas, that they're actually going to be a lot better than I think that they're going to be. Obviously, it is one week. There's still a lot of time for things to settle and for things to change. But, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. This was the most impressive win to me, partly because of expectations, but partly because Texas, I think, was really the only team besides Kansas State that start to finish was super dominant and just played really, really well, um, other than, I guess, TCU playing Duquesne. But, you know, level of competition there is completely different and, and kind of puts it in a, in, in a little bit of a different stratosphere for me. 
Jamie, what were your thoughts on on uh, on Texas? I mean, I think that it's it's really easy to to let expectations kind of get the best of you sometimes when everyone's kind of dogging on you. Sometimes it makes things really difficult, but also it can be really good motivation. I think it's the marker of um, a, a good motivated team, but also the marker of of good coaching when you can keep your team kind of focused through that, be able to get things done, be able to get through, you know, an early competitive game like Texas did. Um, and so I think that it's definitely, um, notable, you know, how that first game went. And again, you see how it it spreads out over the course of the season. You can't put too much stock into, into week one, one way or the other, but it's definitely much more, than I think a lot of people were expecting. Obviously, I'm putting myself at the top of that list. So it, it was definitely um, a lot more than I was expecting to see and definitely pretty impressive. Andy's back. Andy, did you, did you want to... No, no, I, I actually finished my thought. It's all in my recording over here. So You're on mute. Seriously. No, I, I finished my thought. It, it's all in my recording over here. So, you, so you'll have the whole thing. Oh, perfect. Okay. Well, that we'll just pretend like exactly. it didn't happen. Um, all right. I, the other team that impressed was Texas Tech. And and I know I said Texas is the most impressive team, but I mean, look, we've questioned Texas Tech all offseason. We've been questioning whether or not they're actually going to be good. We have questioned the Tyler Shuck. Um, Matt Wells been on the hot seat. We picked against them, against Houston. And at halftime, if that, all those predictions look pretty good down 21 to seven to Houston. And then the second half happened and PFF grade for Texas Tech defense against Houston was 87.3 for the win. It's the highest rated game by a Texas Tech defense since PFF started grading entire units in 2014. Thank you to, to Ben Golan at Benjamin Golan on Twitter for that one. Um, Guys, I, I, the defense was crazy good in the second half. They were fantastic. And look, uh, the linebackers were all over the place. And look, uh, when we did our position group rankings, I had Texas Tech linebacker group number two. We had somebody had three and had four. And they were fantastic. Like, the, that was the thing. If Texas Tech's defense was going to be good this year, because they had some issues. Defensive line's fine. It's not great. It's not, it's not good. But if the linebacking core was as good as we thought it could be, it could be the thing that took this Texas Tech defense to another level. Now, Again, I don't know how good Houston is, but we did think Houston was probably going to beat them, so I can't play the like, well, Houston's not actually that good. I don't know if they're that good. We'll find out. But Texas Tech was impressive on Saturday. They deserve all the credit. Their defense was all over the place. The linebackers were great. Tyler Shutt looked good, especially in the second half. Like, what they did in the second half, they turned, they did something. Whatever they changed, however they altered things from the first half, prop to Texas Tech. If that second half Texas Tech team is the one that continues to play throughout the rest of the season... We all are going to be really wrong about who our dark horse Big 12 team was. Yeah, I mean, Texas had the the most impressive overall game, but Texas Tech by far had the most impressive half in in that second half there. I mean, three interceptions, one of them returned for a touchdown. You know, they didn't allow Houston to score at all in that second half. And they went from, like, I was like, oh, my gosh, Texas Tech is going to lose this, and then we're going to wonder what the heck are they going to be doing all year long, you know, and all the thoughts about how they could theoretically fall down to the bottom of the conference or like, you know, ninth or 10th at that point. Like it's a, it's a possibility at this point, but they completely turned it around. Shuck, I don't know what kind of switch they flipped, but the entire team 
flipped the switch at halftime and played absolutely phenomenally for the second half. So I, I think the biggest question for Texas Tech going into the next couple of weeks is going to be, can they be consistent over the course of an entire game? Because they definitely don't want it to be, a, you know, a case where they have a really good half and a really bad half and have to hope that the good half is better than the bad half. Like, I, I, I hope that we're not running into a situation where it's like that multiple times this year. Um, but, you know, we saw how good Texas Tech can be when everything gets put together. The question is just going to be, can they do that for an entire game? Yeah, I mean, uh, a slow start when it's been a while, it's been weird seasons, whatever. Like, that's that's totally understandable. Um, so to have the turnaround, uh, if you give up 21 points in the first half, you go zero in the second half, you put up seven points in the first half, you put up 31 in the second half. Like, obviously, those are significant swings. You're talking significant adjustment. You're talking significant amount of warm-up. So um, that's, that shows a lot. But exactly like you said, Andy, it's that that can't be the pattern. You can't rely on, okay, you know, our halftime adjustments are going to be good. We're going to take our time, figure things out because against really, really good teams, which I think Houston's a good team, but over the course of the season against really, really good teams, that's just generally not going to be enough to win consistently. You're, you're looking at more of a coin flip as far as that goes. And so if they can kind of concentrate that second half that they had and stretch that out a little bit more, even if it's not, you know, quite so, I don't even know the word for it. Even if it's not that efficient, if you're closer to that, then the first half, obviously, you would take that 10 times out of 10. Uh, uh, I want to point out um, CFB Graphs, uh, which is cfb-graphs.com, which is run by our good friend Parker Fleming. Uh, yeah. I'm tired. Also, it's really hot in this closet, so I'm, I don't know if we don't do this for too much longer. I might sweat to death. Um, Texas Tech came away with a defense. It was very impressive. Ranked 14th overall in defensive EPA. Okay, this is good. Offense, eh, not not as much. EPA per pass, not great. But I I still think this defense is going to be good, which is a weird thing to say about Texas Tech. This defense could be good enough this year for them to win a lot of games. Okay? Uh, Ezukama was everything we thought it would be as far as receiving threat goes. Uh, Shuck looked good. 17 for 24, 231 yards and a touchdown. I thought he looked solid. Um, Taj Brooks running back had a nice day. Like I, full credit to Texas tech. We've, we've got the tech bet. I cannot wait to talk to Aunt, to a Daniel about that on, on Thursday's episode. I do have a sound bite for him. It's going to be fun. I cannot wait for that. Um, but <clears throat> I'm, I, I feel like we settled along. If tech could win this game, a bowl game was very much in their future. And, and if they lost, I didn't think so. Well, let's let's also keep in mind the reason that this game was so important for them is because Houston was not supposed to be a very good team this year. So, like being right. being a Kansas fan, I have to you know temper my optimism with a healthy dose of realism. Like this is the this was the game that they had to win for people to consider them to be a potentially good team this year. And the fact that they had such a phenomenal second half um, is kind of in line with what the expectations are for Houston for this year. So. You know, yes, they could either have a really, really good team and we're going to see these sorts of things for the defense or it could just be kind of the normal, you know, the the the, the thing we always talk about, the regression to the mean corner, kind of getting back to what you would expect over the course of the entire game. So there's a lot, still a lot of open questions, but there's a lot of good reasons to have 
you know, an optimistic viewpoint for what Texas Tech could be this year. Um, you know, we, we saw the really good. We saw the really bad. I'm still kind of wondering how Texas Tech is going to, you know, grade out over the entire season. But there's now at least information that you can go either way, depending on how you are predispositioned to think about Texas Tech. Like they're not going to win the Big 12, but they could get to a bowl game this year. That's impressive. Um, head coaches providing preseason bulletin board material. Edo, not so good. Uh, Dana Holgerson. <clears throat> they go by Reckham Tech. Nah, we're going to Rec Tech. Um, Texas Tech fans, if I might suggest a great way to honor that quote and celebrate your victory. Uh, home field apparel. The most comfortable vintage college sports apparel there is. Has a fantastic Texas Tech line and has a Reckham shirt that feels like the right way there is a reckham texas tech but that one's basketball but hey you know what the basketball shirt's great and you know basketball season's coming but there is a great red with red red on it reckham shirt that i might suggest as a way to celebrate your win over houston this saturday but because of course homeville apparel with the best vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere they have texas tech they have texas celebrates your win they have oklahoma state you won uh they have iowa state they also won Baylor. They also have you, who also won. Um, they have more than a hundred different schools. They've got another Big Twelve school coming. They just announced, they just launched the North Carolina line, and it's pretty solid. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code Network Twelve N E T W O R K one two, and get fifteen percent off your first order. All orders of seventy dollars or more get free shipping. Guys, if, if you don't have any home field gear to be wearing to games or around the house or at a barbecue or the bar or tailgating, I don't know that you're doing college football season right. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Promo code NETWORK12. Get 15% off your first order. Be rocking the most comfortable t-shirts, sweaters, and hoodies for your team this college football season. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I Also Hate Pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. All right, um, let's just run through a couple of scores. I don't for games. I'm not sure we really need to, to talk a lot about. Um, no insult to TCU. Congratulations, you beat Duquesne, uh, Duquesne, the Dukes. However you want to put it, uh, that's all well and good. Nice FCS win. Feel good. Offense looked nice. Duggan looked good. They look like they're actually going to play more interesting offense, which would be nice. We'll see how that look against Cal uh, in week two. Uh, Baylor, congrats! You beat Texas State twenty-nine to twenty, and it was fine. It wasn't super impressive. It was close, lay, but Baylor took care of it. Uh, defense looked solid. Offense looks like it's still a work in progress. Iowa State did a very Iowa State thing. It was the most Matt Campbell at Iowa State season opener that Matt Campbell at Iowa State season opener has ever no, happened. No, but they won. Uh, Iowa, Iowa State beating Northern Iowa sixteen to ten. Look. In normal years, I know we make this joke all the time, and I just made it, but like this is who Iowa State is to open seasons. My my counter-argument to that, and Jamie, I'll let you give your thoughts here in a second, is you have everybody back. We already know who you are as an offense and a defense, and basically it is a team that is not looking to beat teams by more than like a touchdown. That's fine. If they win by a point, then they win, and Matt Campbell goes home happy. But in a year like this, 
with everything in front of Iowa State. I know game day is coming to Ames this week next this weekend, and congrats to them for that. That's going to be awesome. It might behoove you to win games that you should win by a lot by more than six points. I'm just as opposed to living on the edge. You know, cardiac cyclones doesn't really work, but like I don't know. Just put an opener away at half and not have to worry about it. No, it just like it gets exhausting to be in a position where you're not sure at the end of the game where I'm I'm sitting at home and the ESPN stream goes out with two minutes left and I'm sitting there hoping, oh, I hope we don't give something up and and end up losing. And of course, it turns back on with about six seconds left. So I I got to see us secure it. But either way, it just it just gets draining. Like it just gets frustrating where you're just like, look, like. I, I trust this staff as the season goes on. I trust our guys. I know that they're out there playing their asses off, but it just gets frustrating that why, why is this so consistent? Why can we not figure this out? Like you would think that at this point we would be past it and we're not. And so obviously like we can go forward and we can win a bunch of games and we can like not really think about it that much because we came out with a win but the fact is like we didn't secure the win like we should have and so it's just it's just frustrating it's exhausting it's just something that is frustrating to have to just get used to because at this point it's like well if it if this wasn't the year to put away your week one game like what is and I mean that's nothing against you and I I think that you and I is a talented team I think that they played well I think they took advantage of the opportunities they were given but I don't think that the 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 tempo of the game I don't think that the outcome of the game rested on you and I's shoulders so much as Iowa State's. I think Iowa State could have and should have taken control more. They didn't. It is what it is. You know, I guess that's that's the way that they're going to do things. But especially if we go out and play well next week, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, why don't you just do like just an ounce, just an ounce of that week one and quit making a sweat. Well, and let's be honest, like if, if they go out and they beat Iowa, no matter what that score ends up looking like, no one's really going to care too much, including the national media. Like they're not going to come back and look at this. But, you know, in, in a year where you had designs uh, or you have designs of going to the college football playoff, right, potentially beating Oklahoma to win the conference or sneaking in as a, you know, you lose once to Oklahoma, you beat them a, 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 the, the other time and potentially at that point get in as an at-large, like you have to show the strength that you have because guess what? If you lose this game against Iowa, no matter how close it is, then people are going to say like, this is going to be a really good opportunity to, to basically say, okay, well they struggled with you and I, so, and they didn't beat Iowa again. How good can this team really be? Like you didn't want to give the national media any opportunity to write you off. And that's exactly what you did. You, you, you played poorly against the team in you and I, and, and yes, it definitely looked like they were going super vanilla. They weren't really trying too much. And yes, you know, they weren't necessarily at full strength. They had some issues to deal with, um, you know, Charlie Kohler. I, I, I don't, I don't think he played at all or if he did, it wasn't very no. much. Okay. I, I was kind of keeping an eye on things, but I actually didn't get a chance to go back and look at it. Cause I was, I was on the road, but it's definitely one of those things where like, yes, they had issues to deal with, but they are a much more talented team than you and I, they should have won that game handily 
you know, no matter how conservative they were, they were trying to be, they needed to make a statement to set themselves up as, hey, we really should be the number seven team in the nation and being thought of as a potential college football playoff contender. And they didn't do it. No matter what happens against Iowa, unless they blow Iowa out of the water, you know, an Iowa team that completely curb stomped an Indiana team this week, like unless they blow them out of the water, I don't think that they can get that perception back of being for sure one of the better, like one of the best teams in the country and worthy and deserving of inclusion in, in the college football playoff, unless they run the table from this point forward. And I just don't know that that's necessarily possible with how good Oklahoma is. Well, it just gets to a point where like, you've had this underdog mentality for pretty much ever. And finally you're in a position where like, you don't have to have that. And so you're like, maybe we should just get that back by not looking like anything week one. And now people won't think we're any good again. And it's just like, no, like, let's go out and let's be good. Let's do that. Let's try that on for size. Like, you, you, yeah. I, <laughs> like, it, it leads me into Iowa thumped a good ranked Indiana team. And again, week one, you know, we make perceptions off of things that we think going into the season. And maybe Indiana's not good. And maybe that win doesn't, for Iowa, doesn't mean anything. Um, but, like, again, what are you hiding? Why are you being conservative? Like, we know who you are as a team. You didn't make a bunch of staff changes or offensive player changes. Like, I understand Kolar wasn't playing. Just go beat them. Ugh, sorry. Uncomfortable. Just go beat them. Just go and beat them. And, and beat them soundly. Like, there's no reason you should be playing games like that. Like, it's one thing if you're breaking in a new offense, you're trying to hide. Just go and, and play your game. But there's no reason your starter should have had to play that whole. It's, it, it's whatever. Um, speaking of unimpressive, the entire state of Oklahoma this morning uh, is pretty much just like, you know, let's just pretend like this weekend didn't happen. Uh, Oklahoma he, pulling off what looked like very reminiscent of Kansas State games the last two years and some Iowa State games, uh, hanging on by a yard probably to a 40-35 to 35 victory uh, in which Tulane really put a scare on Oklahoma in the second half. They had a, they, if, if not for that fourth and 13, that the Tulane quarterback almost scrambled and got, and would have kept that drive alive. Oklahoma getting out of Norman with a close one that they had dominated at halftime. And then somehow let's almost slip through their fingers. And I don't know. Part of me is like, it's Oklahoma. They'll be fine. They start slow. They get better as the season goes on. Tulane is unique and this week was weird and I'm just going to kind of let it go because we're so used to Oklahoma being this way. I don't know. I'm not trying to give Oklahoma a pass, but it wasn't impressive. The defense that we've been touting is this, like this is a national championship contending team, like legitimately could win the national championship. People were picking them to do so. And then you place a Tulane team that's in, I mean, literally has to change the location of the game the week of, they have so many things in their mind. I just, like you did them enough favors this this week and including putting the Tulane green wave on the field I don't think letting the game be competitive was probably a good one to add to that yeah I mean it it is one of those things you can talk about the extra emotion that that Tulane could have been playing with that could have given them you know potentially an, an edge in terms of trying to get back in that game and wanting to play a little harder than they normally do but Oklahoma is a much more talented team and that defense completely shut Tulane down in the first half um you know I mean yes it the score I'm just looking at it here because I don't remember. Yeah, it was it was 37-14 at the half. Like at that point, it was well in hand. You knew that Oklahoma was going to win that game. Like at that point, 
the problem was the team acted like they knew they were going to win the game and they shut everything down. You know, they only scored three points in the second half, like, which is completely unacceptable for, for a team like Oklahoma, especially as the game gets closer and closer. You've got to be able to turn it back on. You can't shut it down that quick without the capability of turning it back on if it starts to get close again. And that defense just stopped performing. It was very reminiscent of those Kansas State games. You, you actually stole my line, Philip. I mean, this was like this was a Kansas State type game for them where they got out to a really big lead. It seemed like they just assumed it was over and they shut everything down and then they couldn't turn it back on. And that's the way that a team that is obviously superior ends up getting beat and getting upset because they don't take the entire game seriously. We've seen that from Oklahoma a few times in the last few years. And this was supposed to be a team that was different, that didn't do those sorts of things. If they're doing it against a team like Tulane, I sure hope that they learn their lesson from this and don't do it at all in the Big 12 Conference because if they do that, they're going to lose a game that they shouldn't lose and it's going to cause lots of problems for the entire conference trying to get someone to the college football playoff, let alone Oklahoma trying to win the national championship that you know has eluded their grasp for so long. Yeah, I mean, the, the game started off really close, you know, started off like bang, 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 bang. You're thinking, wow, what is what is going on again? You know, the defense where where's that at? And then pulled things together for the rest of the half and then come out and just. I don't know, kind of complacent there in the second half. And so it, I, it was just it was a weird game. It was just really hard to get a grasp on what was going to happen at any given point in time. You know, you start out and you're like, wow, Tulane's really competing. And then, okay, this is more what we expected. Oklahoma's pulling ahead. They're just going to kind of have this in hand. And then Tulane comes back just to try and, you know, make one more desperate shot at it and didn't have to get that desperate. Like it, it got dang close there. And yeah, it's, it, it was definitely probably closer than it, it should have been than it needed to be. Um, a lot of credit to Tulane for really battling through obviously significant amounts of adversity off the field um, in addition to the game itself. But yeah, you just, you just want to see more to start out the season. Yeah. The other thing I'll note, I mean, you could make an argument that Michael Pratt, the quarterback for Tulane outplayed Spencer Rattler in this game. I mean, you know, he had a much, but he had three touchdowns, 296 yards on, on 27 to 44 passing. Spencer Rattler was 30 to 39 for 304 yards, had a touchdown, but had two picks. And I mean, and it's one of those things where these are the types of games that Rattler cannot afford to have. Like everyone thought he was past these types of games. And I mean, if you're going to have one, I guess it's good to get it out of the way early in the year, you know, where you can actually still win that game. But, you know, this is the second year in a row that Rattler has not gotten out of the gate really well to start. And Oklahoma needs him to step it up and sooner rather than later, because the schedule is going to get a lot, a lot tougher, a lot quicker. Um. OSU beat Missouri State 23 to 16. Uh in a similar game of you had a halftime lead, it was 20 to 3 and felt like the game was over and Oklahoma State basically allowed Missouri State the opportunity to tie or win the game late due to some re- inability to run the ball and some really boneheaded play calling decisions by Mike Gundy as he says he takes the blame from Casey Dunn. OSU doesn't have a run game. Spencer Sanders didn't play. There was a lot of guys out with injury and COVID issues. Uh, Spencer Sanders, one of them. He should be back next week against Tulsa. Um, should I spend a lot of time talking about Oklahoma State? Probably. Do I want to forget this game happened and move on to week two? <laughs> yes. Um, Philip, I, I, I think you're actually justified in kind of moving on from this one, though, just because of Spencer Sanders being out because of COVID so close to game time. Like, yes. They shouldn't necessarily have had as many other problems, Thank but... Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah. I'm going to move on. Okay. Um, 
So let's wrap up on this. Um, we have not talked about realignment yet, so we need to do so. Um, all the reports from the athletic that we've seen over the weekend is that it we we feel confident that four teams are going to be added to the Big Twelve. That's BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston, according to all the reporting from the athletic. Um, applications are going to be sent out this week. Um, like, look here, here's the deal. They want this done in September. It's probably going to get done in September. This is this is all a process you have to go through. Um, these four teams are going to submit their applications because these four teams all know they have an invitation. This is a done deal. These are the four teams that are going to join the Big 12. BYU, Central Florida, Houston, and Cincinnati. Like we're going to spend a lot of time talking this over the next few weeks, so I don't want to spend a ton of time on it today. But I'll say this. This isn't surprising. It's the least surprising four teams they could have picked. It's the most obvious four teams they could have picked, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It is the four... Outside of Boise State, the biggest non-power conference brands that there are, um, we can nitpick over who we would prefer to have been in there. I understand the arguments against Houston, but I also understand why they're adding them. I don't love it either. I would rather see Memphis, but I'm not in charge of this decision-making process. It makes a lot of sense. We're going to have a lot of time to talk about fit, how we feel about it, but I, I want to give you both kind of the floor here. Um, my biggest takeaway is that this is moving a lot quicker than I thought it would, though it's not surprising. And like everything else, you just rip the Band-Aid off and run with it. There's no point in dawdling when you know this is an inevitable thing. How do you guys feel about the speed with which this is going, and what are just your initial first thoughts on, on these four teams? Well, I've been extremely outspoken in that the sooner it's done, as far as I'm concerned, the better. It's like the entire situation of realignment stuff sucks as far as I'm concerned. I have no interest in hearing the speculation. I just want it done one way or the other. So I'm thrilled that we're getting to a resolution. I think that keeping keeping the Big 12 together and getting good teams in there is is good you know what, like, I, I think that there was a lot of different ways things could have gone. You can go all over the place with, oh, I would have preferred this. Oh, I would have preferred that. Iowa State could say, oh my gosh, I wish you would have gone to the Big Ten. I don't think that was happening one way or the other. Like, that's just, that would have been an, a new level of chaos. And that would have been even more stress. Like, I'm over it. I think that they're, they're nationally recognized teams. They're good brands. You've got three really good women's basketball teams coming in. Um, I'm, I'm excited about it. We'll probably go back to, um, you know, two different sections of the conference. I'm, I'm cool with all of it. I'm, you know, it's, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for it to be done. I'm ready for it to be a done deal. Sign the papers. Um, you know, we can get more in depth on it when that's, you know, when, when the ink's dried, a little bit, but I'm happy with it. I think it's the right move. I think it's incredibly impressive how quickly things got done, how quickly things are getting resolved here. Um, I just think it's it's really an accomplishment to have a pretty successful re resolution that quickly. And all three of us, as far as we're concerned, we we get to you know stay the three best friends that anybody could have. So success for us as well. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Obviously, kind of, kind of personally, it's great for the Ten Twelve Network because it means that the Big Twelve is going to stick around. But you know, the the one thing I will note is that this expansion is something that had to happen. And to be honest, really thinking about it, it probably had to happen sooner rather than later because three of those targets in Cincinnati, Houston, um, and and UCF are coming from the American. 
And in order for them to be able to come over, unless they negotiate a much higher buyout than what they currently have, they have to give 27 month notice. So it's not like you can sit around and wait for Oklahoma and Texas to decide that, hey, by the way, we're going to pay a huge buyout and deal with all these negotiations so we can be out here next year. And then your only recourse at that point is to add BYU for three years before you can get the other ones. So you have to make a move now. You have to kind of set that up. And really what you're doing is setting up the stability of the Big 12 Conference moving forward. I don't think this prevents teams from if they find another landing spot outside of the Big 12 from going. But it at least makes it so that if the ultimate destination for everybody is to stay in the Big 12, that it's at least a viable conference that will allow them to maintain autonomy, five status, you know, theoretically be a power five conference still depending on, on, on what the media people decide to say moving forward. But like it, it sets it up as a, a viable solution for the long term, if nothing else works out for any of the other schools that are even thinking about leaving at this point. So, you know, you can make the argument. I, I honestly think that Memphis was probably the fifth ranked, um, you know, in terms of like looking at the possibilities. I, it's one of those things too, though, like a lot of the other names that are out there, um, you know, I don't know that they necessarily have full athletic programs that make sense coming to the Big 12, whereas these four schools for sure have an entire athletic program across all the different sports that makes sense in the Big 12 and, and is definitely something that everyone can live with. So, you know, like like Boise State, there was a lot of talk like if, if a Boise State comes over, really the only program you want from there is the football program. And so inviting them as a football only member probably wasn't going to go over well with anybody at this point. So. You know, it's one of those things. I think it's the absolute best case scenario that you can, you know, deal with at this point in terms of bringing people over. You want to try to do it sooner rather than later. And, and to be honest, I'm I'm kind of hoping that they can get BYU for next year, so that if Oklahoma and Texas do stick around, that we make them go out to Provo because I think those would be phenomenal games. I wrap on three three quick notes. Um, let's leave the I want they get here before OU and Texas leave comments at the door. Mm. Those are dumb. It's not going to happen. Just. Stop it. I've already seen that people like speculate on this stuff. I'm like, well, what would happen if, well, yes. What, just if you want some what ifs, go watch the Marvel series on Disney plus. I hear it's great. I haven't watched it. It is yet. fantastic. Whatever. I imagine I just haven't had time to, um, two. And we can delve into a lot of the details of this stuff later, but I really kind of hope they don't do divisions. Cause I don't think it makes a lot of sense in this day and age. And you should keep a championship game that guarantees the top two teams play, especially in a conference like this, as opposed to having just, Two teams, whatever. Um, and last but not least, man, it is nice to stick around with you guys. I'm very excited. <laughs> Plus, guess what? That means four new schools that we have to try and find podcasts. Heck yeah, for. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you guys a bet that I add a show from one of the new four teams before I add a show for any of the remaining Big Twelve teams currently in the conference. It's not on purpose. Sometimes it's just easier to find established shows that are really good than starting some from scratch because sometimes you run into problems like we're running into with at least one of our shows. But I love everybody. Speaking of all the shows in the 1012 Network, make sure you are subscribed to us on Twitter at 1012 Network where you can find every show that we have. That, of course, is Raspy Voice Kids for West Virginia, uh, Midwest Madness for a basketball podcast, Fire the Cannon for Texas, Rock Shock Podcast for Kansas, and a TCU show that's currently going through a naming change, but just go follow Melissa Trebowasser or Colin Post on Twitter, and you can find out more about that as we figure that out this week, because both of those hosts are fan frickin tastic Our whole network is awesome. It's amazing. We are working on adding no shows all the time. we got lots of people who are interested. we just got to figure out how to make things work. I am pumped about it. Make sure and follow us on Instagram at 1012pod. I am doing a better job of posting. Uh, Andy, 
Where can everybody find you and hear your glorious candy? Yeah, you, you can find me personally on Twitter at AndyBits12, and you can find the Rock Talk podcast on Twitter at Rock Talk Pod. JSJ? <laughs> I am still JSTYZ on every platform that exists. J-S-T-E-Y-Z, short and sweet. Uh, you can follow me as I try to make it through this Cyhawk hate week and hopefully get the first win of my over five year relationship over my Hawkeye uh, husband. Jamie, I'm going to make, um, I've decided this something that's going to happen. I've decided this right here and now um, I'm going to need, we're going to need like quarterly video check-ins <laughs> from you to post on social of how you and the hubby no. are doing quarter by quarter. See, as how this game Here's going. the thing is that the first two quarters would be really boring because I'm in school to get my teaching license and we have class one Saturday a month. And this is the Saturday, so I'm in I'm in school until four o'clock, and then I'm gonna drive really fast to my husband's mom's house to hopefully watch like the second half. So it's terrible, but the first class was on my wedding day, and so I can't really afford to miss two in a row. Excuses, excuses, JSJ. <laughs> I'll give you lock a husband down and just whatever. I'll give you my segment next week as an instant reaction after the game. There we go. Jamie will not be with us next Monday, but um, we will have something from her in regards to that game. I promise you that it will be amazing. It always is. All right, guys, it's always fun. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Andy, follow JSJ, follow all of our shows, and we will be back on Thursday to uh, talk about last week's picks and makes picks for week two. Podcast Network.